0: Okay, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in Mark chapter 4 today. I'm going to take you a couple other places, but for the most part, the parables we're looking at are in Mark chapter 4. If you have a phone or tablet or something with you, you can also follow along on YouVersion, either by clicking on the Events tab, or you do you find that by the three little dots in the bottom corner. Click that, a little menu will pop down, it'll say Events. Uh, or you can just type in, in your um, browser, you can type in the address on the screen. I think, well, it would be, it was on the screen, and you can type that in and go straight to the event. Um, we're going to be looking at two parables today, but they're very combined, they're very mixed. Last week we looked at a harsh one. This was a tough parable, the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, talking about the great chasm that our choices make between this world and the next. Now, as we move into this one, this was a little more of an uplifting parable, or a couple of them, and it follows a common theme in the parables that Jesus would teach. And uh, remember that parables were not meant, depending on how you kind of came up in the church or what you've heard, parables were not meant for us to be able to understand them easier. Instead, Jesus described it almost like a code saying, for those of you who have ears to hear and eyes to see, you will understand what I'm telling you. This is one of the ways that the Holy Spirit works within us. However, if you're not really in tune with what I'm saying, if you don't really, your heart doesn't desire to know me and what I'm talking about, you won't really understand what I'm saying. There's a lot of low-lying fruit in the the parables. That means those are the things that are very easy to pick without having to search. But there are a lot of meanings in these parables that go beyond that. That's why we have called this series, The Secret Teachings of Jesus, because if you just take what's there at face value, you may miss the bigger picture of what God is wanting to say to you and to us a lot of the parables are very much in the vein of their daily lives and the things that they did and and so you see a lot of agricultural stories, a lot of agricultural allegories and comparisons and we're going to see that again today talking about a couple of seeds. Now, we're not going to be talking about, you know, faith that will move mountains so much today. We'll do that another day, but we are going to be talking about the seeds that grow secretly. One of your favorite parables. How many of you have heard the parable of the seed that grows secretly? So, okay, three of you. So there you go. This is going to be four. I don't be the five. The number's grow. Do I have a six? Do I have a seven? All right, we got a seven. Okay. Um, so anyways, uh, we're going to be going through a couple. Let's begin with Mark chapter four, and then I've got a few things I want to teach you. I hope this will be an encouragement to you as you're growing in your own faith, because that's what these parables are talking about. So Mark chapter four, beginning with verse 26 says, and he, being Jesus, said, the kingdom of God. Is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, "With that can we, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? He goes into parable number two. It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything." let's pray, and then we'll, we'll dive into these two parables. Father, God, I thank you that not only are you able to look over our lives and to care for our lives, to direct us in the ways that we go, but you are faithful to bring us to a place we may not even have chosen to go, but we know is a very good place. I thank you for the work you're doing in our lives. I thank you for the work you're doing in our church. I pray that as we dive into your word and we dive into what you're teaching in these parables that we'll be able to understand and we'll be able to grow in our own walk with you. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the reasons that we really want to read Scripture consistently is because you never really know when a passage of Scripture is going to touch you or speak to you in a moment that you need it. You never really know when something like this, you come through and you're just wondering, gosh, I just don't know what God's doing in my life. I just don't really know where I, what I'm supposed to be doing, what my purpose is. I just am kind of living my life. I'm not sure where I'm supposed to go or what I'm supposed to do. And you come across a parable like this, and it's just a reminder that God is in control and God is working in you even when you don't see it or understand it. I'm excited when we have new children come in to our church family. I'm excited when they're your children and we're not bringing more children into our family, right? Amen. I love to see them and then hand them back. You know, I'm already a grandparent, and so uh, I'm not a grandparent, but I act like one sometimes. So, But it's it's just wonderful to watch them. It's fun to watch them grow. It's fun to watch them begin to take their first steps. It's fun to watch them just toddle around and fall over. It's It's fun kind of to watch them grow and go to school, although some of you, if you're sending your kids to school for the first time, it's painful. It's just fun to watch them grow. As they get older, they begin to develop more complexity. And you notice your conversations. They'll start asking you questions. And early on, you're just answering. You know, you're not even listening. You just kind of respond. Those young, early parents, you just answer questions all the time, and you you don't even realize you're doing it, you know. Mommy, why are grapes, you know, purple, you know, and you come up with some weird thing why they're purple. And, but then as they get older, they begin, their minds start developing and the way they start viewing the world begins to, to adjust and adapt and, and they begin asking more difficult questions and questions that now you can't just rattle off an answer, but you have to start thinking about. Then as they get even older, they begin to make more of life choices for themselves. And as they're making those life choices for themselves, as a parent, you have to step back and you have to let them go and explore the world and make these choices and choices you yourself may not have made. They may. But you watch them grow and develop. And it's just a beautiful thing of how God has created us, not just to come into the world to be all that we're supposed to be, but we come into the world and we develop into something along the way. It's an amazing thing. Sometimes we look at each other and we wonder, how in the world did you get that way? Have you ever wondered that about somebody? How in the world did you get that way? I mean, usually we don't think that in a positive way, right? Usually when we're thinking that, it's like, oh, you're, you're a little off. How would you get this way? Who, you know, did you get dropped on your head? I am proudly say we dropped all our kids on their heads when they were babies. So uh, they, we were equal opportunity uh, abusers in our family. We're going to strike that from the podcast, by the way. But... Uh, <laughs> It's just a joy to watch them grow and develop. And a lot of times you will just stop and look and you'll realize something happened and you're not sure when, but they grew up all of a sudden. For our kids, one of the great joys that they have in their life is whenever they get to stand up back to back with their mother and they surpass her and they're taller than her. It's also one of Deidre's least favorite experiences of her life. And now, all but Malia have surpassed her, and are taller than her. Jonathan, the other day, I was, watch, I was walking and or watching him in the house, and I don't know what happened. He's, he's not been gone. It's not like he went to camp, or he's been. You know, he's. Been, I see him every day, but just one day, his voice dropped, and all of a sudden, he grew about two inches. I don't know what happened. I don't know when it happened, but it was just in a moment. I realized you have. You have really grown. You know, In the same way, in our faith and the way that we live our life, God is constantly working to grow us up in ways that are often imperceptible until we reach a moment that we look back and we go, look how far we have come. Sometimes it's evident in the things that used to interest us that we knew were not healthy and we just realize, you know, I don't do that anymore. I don't think about those things anymore. I'm not motivated in that way anymore. Sometimes it's the way that we view the world and view other people, and we have lived in this world thinking about ourselves and taking care of ourselves and getting what we went out of the world for ourselves, and and then all of a sudden we kind of realize we're thinking about others, and we're wanting to care for others, and do things for others, and that's a new experience, and you're not real sure how you got there, but you did, and you've just kind of grown up. Maybe it's with friends at school, you know, friends at school, friends are all, they're great friends, but then something happens, and you just get mad at each other. Does that ever happen to you all? Y'all don't ever have that, do you? You do, yeah. It happens at home, too, yeah. Not at our house, but at your house, apparently. I'm just, living out loud, just living out loud, right? And then all of a sudden you realize, you know, you used to just, boy, rear up when something would go wrong and you would get upset and it would, you would go at it or you would just not talk to them. Then all of a sudden, you realize those things don't matter as much to you, and you've grown up somehow, and you're not sure how you got to this place, and all of a sudden, you just don't have to engage in every fight that comes your way anymore. And you're not sure how you got there, but you say, you know, I'm just different. I know I'm different now. I think one of the most grievous things that I watch as a pastor are people that struggle with something within their life, and you see it day after day, week after week, year after year, and you see it over a period of years, you're still in the same place you've always been. You're probably always going to be there unless there's a radical change in the way you see God, yourself, and the world. And it's a depressing place to get stuck and realize I'm not growing, I'm not developing, I'm not maturing, I'm not changing. I, this is just, it's like this all the time. I just never can get ahead. When we look at these parables, what Jesus is trying to show them is a couple of things. One, that in the kingdom, God is always at work. And in the kingdom, God is always developing you into something else. And in the kingdom, even when you are not in control, it is going to be okay. Now, for some of us, we like to be... And more control than others. Some don't like to be in control at all. I mean, you just live your life like it's the last day in the world. I, I, don't know wh- I don't know why, but I've just seen a lot of people posting stuff about, live your life as if it were the last day in the world. Well, I cannot live my life like it was the last day of the world or like it was the day, my last day on earth. I could not live my life that way. Because honestly, I could only live my life that way one day. Because I'd be broke by the end of that day. <laughs> I would be broke and I would be sick and I would probably be wandering around in Europe somewhere. You know, I'd you'd be like, you know, wake up the next morning. I, this wasn't supposed to happen. I have, I'm, I have no more resources, you know. So I can't live my life that way. I like to think a little more, far, you know, farther in advance than that. Now, if, if it happens today, I'm cool with it. But I want to make sure I'm okay if it doesn't happen for a while. But as we look back through our lives the more that you begin to see God at work in you, the more you're okay giving up control of what your life looks like. And that is a, an area of growth and maturity for most people that is hard to overcome. Whenever we get stuck trying to be in control, directing our life the way it's going to be, the way we always wanted it to be, it is a hard thing to let go of the reins. And give them to somebody else. But that's exactly what God is consistently calling us to. I have a plan for you. Give me the reins. I am going to take you where you need to go. Not where you maybe would choose to go. And if you ever can come to that place. Where you no longer have to be in control of everything in your life. You will find what we've talked about in the last couple of weeks. Of what God wants to grant you. And that is that you can have contentment within your life. One of the great things that were promised from Jesus is not that we're going to have great wealth or great riches, although there are those that are blessed with that. What he says is, I will make you content so that no matter what you have, you will be content." whether you have much or whether you have little. Paul gives us a great description in his own life where he says, I've just learned to be content in all things, whether it's good or bad and much or little. You know, I got plenty to eat. I don't have enough to eat. I just know God has satisfied my needs so that I'm okay with whatever's happening in my life. That is a secret to life that few find. But as you grow up and mature, if you can reach that place, the earlier the better, then you will find that life has more meaning and more joy for you. As we look at this parable talking about a farmer who's going out. And like all of the parables, the parables are not really just for you to get through life. We, don't we read scripture like that? Okay, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do now? I'm supposed to turn the other cheek. I don't want to turn the other cheek. I really am mad right now. I really want to turn his cheek or her cheek for them. I really don't want to turn the other cheek. That's not. There are certainly places in scripture that are very applicable in that way. But the parables are about this kingdom that exists in parallel with this world that you and I live in. And this is a secret to living and following Christ that some people never discover, is that when we are called to live in the kingdom of God, it is not just heaven when we die or when Jesus returns. It is not just this place that exists where the angels are, but the kingdom of God is all around us and in us, and we are a part of that right now in this place. And what Jesus is trying to teach them and the disciples is that you can experience the kingdom of God right now all around you. The kingdom of God is at hand. Now, sometimes you hear that phrase and you think, and and behind that is some meteor that's going to come down and it's going to hit the earth and it's going to explode. The kingdom of God is at hand. As if the kingdom of God is this big fiery baseball bat that's about to knock the earth through the universe and destroy everybody on it. Do it. (laughs) But the kingdom of God is here now. The kingdom of God is the thing that draws us. The kingdom of God is living with Christ every day, knowing that while this world is going on, there's something better going on too. And so Jesus opens these parables saying, very specifically, this is about the kingdom of God. So just a few things I want you to grab from this this morning. Number one, Jesus used parables to teach about the kingdom of God, not the world. Now, there are times that the parables are applicable in everyday life, worldly life. But the goal is to to just pique your interest and to develop your thinking when it comes to his kingdom. You remember when Jesus was on trial and he was asked, Are you the king of the Jews? And he said, Well, I am, but my kingdom is not of this world. So if you're going to follow Jesus one truth that you've got to come to is the reality that in order to follow Jesus, you have got to live in a kingdom that other people can't see. And that's sometimes frowned upon by people who in the mental health profession, right? <laughs> that's why some celebrities will come on and say, I think it's a, it's a mental health condition. You better believe it is. When you begin to live in a kingdom that's not of this world, it doesn't make sense to people. And that is why Jesus spoke in parables, because you have to really want to know to get it. Because you can easily live your whole life and miss it. So he begins with, the kingdom of God is as if a man scatter seed. Now, for us, some of you are highly intelligent and highly studied, and you know exactly how a seed germinates and sprouts and grows, and produces fruit. I do not. It just happens, and I think, wow, you know. That's one of the things that ignorance provides me, is I have a lot more wow moments than smart people. (laughs) You smart people, you like, I know how that worked, and you can just rattle off the, you know, all the changes that happen, and I'm just sitting there going, wow, you know, that's so pretty, you know. (laughs) That's what's nice. I'm content with not being the smartest person in the room. I'm okay with that, For them, they didn't know all the science behind how all this happened, and that's what Jesus was trying to say. The fact that we understand the science does not change the miraculous way in which God develops things. How a sun comes up for a sunrise and lights the sky in a way that artists will copy forever and never quite match. It's amazing when we go and we look at all of the variety, creation, all of the animals, all of the mosquitoes that are in my backyard. We've got a good number of species there that drive me crazy. It's amazing the diversity of which God creates. It's amazing how the birds fly through the air in flocks and sometimes just seem to dance with each other in the sky. It's amazing that God has put that in motion. It's amazing how He didn't just make us appear as adults, but instead we come as little innocent, very vulnerable children, dependent on someone else that we grow, and all the systems in our small bodies grow and develop, and until we are ourselves fully grown, at least physically, and we are out caring for other little ones. It's amazing how God has set that up. It's amazing as we learn more, and I've said, and I, you know, the church has been at odds with science ever since we started teaching science in schools, and that is just a real shame, because I think science gives us just a glimpse of what, of the way God works. It's a beautiful behind-the-curtain scene of how God works. It's not a denial of God, though some may use it for that. It's amazing how God develops things, and we don't have to fully understand. And this And these two parables, it talks about the fact in verse 27, this farmer, he scatters the seed, then he sleeps, and then a period of time goes by, rises night and day. The seed sprouts and he grows and he knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. I love in verse 31 that this very much goes along with the parable of the mustard seed and having faith that will move mountains. It is like a grain of mustard seed, which is the tiny, tiniest seed, which sown on the ground is the smallest of all seeds on the earth. And when it's sown, it grows up and it becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so the birds can nest in it. Jesus used parables to teach us about the kingdom of God And not just the world. See, the kingdom is in you. The kingdom is around you. You are the kingdom of God. When you wake up in the morning, you're waking up in His kingdom as well as in this world. Uh, It's just almost crazy sounding, isn't it? And yet this is why so many people could listen to Jesus and miss everything that he was saying because they just couldn't wrap their minds around the fact that the world may not be exactly the way I thought it was. And this challenge to live in the world and to live in the kingdom, it is a challenge that Christians struggle with and are going to continue to struggle with their entire lives. But it is a beautiful challenge and an invitation from God to come and experience him in ways that others don't see. I'm convinced those who love Christ see Christ regularly. I don't mean like you see someone in a, you know, flowing robes, but they see him at work around them. There are times that we get discouraged and frustrated and we just wonder, is God at work? Is God doing anything in my life? Our family is struggling. I'm struggling. Is God doing anything? I feel abandoned. And yet when we love Jesus and we are in tune to what he is doing and following him, it's amazing how many things we see. In the world around us. And you begin to piece together things, and you say, you know what? If that hadn't happened, I wouldn't this wouldn't have happened, and that was completely God, even though I could completely have overlooked it. He used parables to teach about the kingdom. John 17, 14 through 17 says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. And Jesus' prayer for us, this is where we get this old saying, we're to be in the world, but not of the world. Have you heard that saying before? We've used it in lots of different ways. I think the the way we generally use that phrase is to talk about being in and amongst people doing things they ought not to be doing, and we are there with them, caring for them, ministering to them, and yet not partaking of the things that We shouldn't be. Uh, That's often how we do it. But he's saying so much more than that. He's saying this is a way of living your life that you are in the kingdom of God. You are constantly talking. This is why prayer is not just that thing we do at those you know special times of the day, but it's something we do throughout the day. We talk to him throughout the day because we are living in in a kingdom that is also going on when the rest of the world goes on. We're communicating with constantly. As we do that, it changes our perspective on what it means to be a Christian. Because some of us grew up that being a Christian means I have to act right, dress right, do the right things. I have to talk the right way. I have to go to church the right number of times, read the right Bible. I've got to give the right amount of money to the church. I've got to serve the right number of times. I've got to do this and that and the other. And if I do too many of those, if I don't do enough of those, then maybe I'm not really a Christian and I won't make it into heaven. And I can't tell you how many people today live their lives just like that. in the gospel Is all about what you do. What Jesus is saying is there's a a kingdom that you can be a part of that supersedes everything else that you see, and most people are going to miss it. Most people will never see it. And instead, you do have the opportunity to. Jesus is praying the Father would keep those who have truly followed him so that while they're in this world that is hostile to the kingdom, they will continue. To follow faithfully. A second thing we see, and I just find so much comfort for my own life, I hope you do for yours. The second thing we see in this parable is that God is working in ways that you can't understand. Now that gets in some of your crawls because some of you are, you are really smart and you like to figure stuff out and you can't always figure God out, right? God is working in ways that you can't understand. If you're at work and I find it amazing, some people will go through some of the most difficult of life circumstances, they will see God in it, and it brings them through when others are ready to give up. You lose a job, you walk in, and they say, we can't use you anymore, you're done, you're out of here. If you're like most people that live in our country, then you've only got about two weeks before you're flat broke. And so you can respond to that news in a number of different ways. You can respond in anger. You can respond in denial. You can respond in any number of ways. But a person that sees God at work says, what has God got next for me? God's at work here. Now I bet none of us would ever plan for in the ways that we're living our lives that we would want to accept a vision from God that involved a call into the office to say, you're fired. Most of us would not ever set that up for ourselves if we had a choice. And yet, can you see what God is doing? You don't have to be able to understand it. God even has to at times tell us, you cannot understand everything I'm doing as much as we want to. And as much as the trend is and and kind of our... Our Christian circles today, the the trend is to try to make God so understandable and relatable that we miss His magnificence and His glory, His omniscience, and the fact that He is working in ways that we can't comprehend. We want to make Him so approachable that we miss the incredible, magnificent glory of who He is. In Isaiah we read, God's response, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my way, are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. When I was growing up, I, I don't know if any of you, maybe you do as well, but any of your mothers or grandmothers would cross-stitch? You might grow up with family members that cross-stitched. You would have them throughout your house. You know, you'd be a 15-year-old boy, and you'd get a cross stitched shirt from your grandma, you know. Y'all didn't get that? Uh, Just me, just me. But I remember there was this, it was a different time. I mean, Christianity was cool. You know, lots of people, you know, went to church, and it was just a different time. But there was a little cross-stitched thing of this little kind of boy you know little child and it said god isn't finished with me yet my grandmother had one in her house we had one in our house i'd go to my friend's house they'd have them you know up hanging up in their houses you know i'd go cross stitch this little thing and i think early on even that simple little pattern that simple little thing that they would hang up on the wall for me reminded me that there's more to come this isn't everything Even the way you see the world right now is just a glimpse of what is to come. I don't just mean heaven. We don't even, you can't even comprehend what that's going to be like. I mean, just in the next year of your life, you may not be able to comprehend where you will be this time next year or in five years or in 10 years. Because what we have a tendency to do is we get stuck in today. What is happening today is going to happen this way every day for the rest of my life, which you only think that when it's bad. Because when, when everything is going well, your thought is, well, this isn't going to last, right? This isn't going to happen. This isn't going to go on forever. But when things go bad, you're just certain this is the way life's going to be for, for forever. This is the way it is. And the truth is, you cannot comprehend what God has in store for you down the road that you're not ready for yet. I was talking to some friends this past week and on a journey of adoption, I remember when we started fostering, I, I, Deidre kind of pulled us to the table. We had talked for years, even before we had our own kids, about adopting at some point. We just felt that God. And, and, and all that we read in Scripture, if there's a child that needs a home and we can provide a home, we need to provide a home for that child, within reason. There are lots of children that still need a home. We can't provide a home for all of them, but we could for some. So we started on the journey of fostering, and I I was all in, very excited. I had in my mind just dozens of children that would come through our doors and that we would invest in and then send them home, and then we would be long lifetime friends with their parents because we just provided a safe home for a time and we would talk about ways that we could be involved in their family but not infringe upon their family ways that we could protect the bond between child and parent and you know we had all these big plans and i said you know i'm okay i let's do it we can we'll we'll foster forever but let's not adopt I just don't. I don't want to adopt. I don't want to be legally liable forever for a child. I mean, we got three of them. I'm not sure any of them are even going to make it. So let's not bring any of them in, right? They're not sure either, right? And so we started in the journey of fostering, and lo and behold, three years later we're adopting. Three years ago, I was uh, (laughs) a. No, we'll just I mean somebody else will adopt. We're gonna just foster. Three years ago I had no idea what our family would look like and it's amazing when I talk to other parents who have cared for children that need an emergency home. Their story is so similar. So similar. Ah, we just were helping out. I mean, we no way we were going long term and then life has a way of changing. You have no idea what God is planning and preparing you for, for what's coming. You have this mindset, and I say you, I do too, because this is the way the human mind works. We have this mindset that everything that is yet to come is still in some way revolving about what has already come. In other words, something new and radical will not actually happen to me. I mean, more of the same is what my life is going to look like. That's why we get so depressed when we enter into a season that is uncomfortable because we are just afraid there's going to be more of the same. And what God is saying in this parable and what God is saying to each one of us over and over again is that, listen, today is today, tomorrow is something different, And in this parable, what he's saying is, you can't even comprehend what God is doing as the seed is being planted, as it is growing. We cannot understand where God is pulling you, where God is taking you. And that doesn't, there is no age limit to this. As if, you know what, by the time you reach 40, we were talking, some of us were here setting up last night. We were talking about what happens when you reach 40, and us who are over 40 were lamenting, and under 40 were just laughing at the other in the room, but we have this feeling that you get to an age that all of a sudden God's just not at work or interested in what you have to contribute in the world anymore, which is absolutely not true because God is always at work. God's always calling. Every person has an indispensable part of the kingdom of God in the world today. God is working in ways that you can't understand. He's reminding us to trust him. And if you have chosen to follow Christ, to die to yourself, to pick up your cross and follow him, to lay down what you would have lived and instead pick up what he is offering you, then what you were saying is, the journey for the rest of my life is no longer my own. It is yours. This is one of the reasons that Paul says, listen, if you don't want to get married, it's a cool thing not to get married. (laughs) Because when you get married, you get all up in each other's business. That's not exactly what he says, but it's pretty much what he's saying. Because once you get married, your life is no longer yours, right? Now, there's two of you. Some of you came out on the better end of that and some of you didn't for those of you that didn't come out on the better end of that stay true God's still at work let me tell you God's still at work those that you came in on the better half of that and you kind of married up just be thankful that God loves you and he led you into this place all right and for those of you that realize your spouse married up hang in there God's still at work he's still at work But when you get married, your journey is no longer your own. Your journey, once you get married, is together. Your journey is now aligned. And that's where a lot of conflict comes in in marriage is because we realize somewhere down the road, we kind of jump the gun thinking our journey should be aligned. And we realize our journeys are really, no, we're trying to force them together, but it's killing us. That's why we wait. That's why it's so important to wait in our relationships and dating and in physical relationships because physical relationships have a way of cementing us into a bad journey. But when we give our heart to Christ and we pick up that cross and follow him, what ends up happening is that we say, my journey is no more. Now I'm on yours. We have to trust that God's going to lead us along that journey to the place that He wants us to go. And I, have, I will tell you from my experience, even though that journey often is fraught with hardship and struggle, it is also one of the greatest adventures you can ever embark on in your life. Because you will go to places you never knew existed. Because God's at work. And He's working in ways that you can understand. A third thing that we see on this and this is one thing that I find great rest in it really helped me as I was a young christian just be, just understanding what it meant to be a christian is that you are on a journey of growth with Jesus see just like this stalk of wheat doesn't just appear just like we don't just appear as adults there is a growing process even in your faith There are some people that entered into the church and they were excited about new faith and they got baptized and they were just thrilled about what God was doing. and, And then they messed up. And they did something you're just not supposed to do if you're a Christian. And all the other Christians who figured out how to cover up all their bad stuff looked down and said, you know what, if you're a real Christian, you won't do that. And then I've just seen so many people be crushed under the weight of others' expectations of perfection. They just walk away. But what we see in Scripture is that we are called into a journey of growth. We are not expected to start out as mature and have everything together. All of Scripture points to we are all going to grow. We are where we are, but we're all going to move somewhere else. You are on a journey of growth with Jesus. When I first started reading scripture, I remember just thinking, I just needed to read it. I was supposed to read it. I didn't understand it. And I just thought, well, this is interesting. And then as I began to understand it, I began to read more and I began to piece together the different things I was reading. It began to make more sense. Then I realized some of these things are literally telling me something I'm supposed to do, but I'm not doing them. I need to start doing these things. And then reading began to pull together more and I began to understand more and it became more of a joy to read because now I'm actually seeing how God has worked throughout history and I can now see Him more at work today. I didn't start out that way. I didn't start out knowing all the things I need to know, doing all, I still don't do all the things I'm supposed to do. But it's a path of growth. It's a journey of growth. God is calling you to something. We, we grow not only emotionally and physically, we grow spiritually. We grow in our, under, our ability to understand and comprehend. We grow in our ability to see God at work. We grow in trusting God in our faith. Our faith grows. We even, scripture goes so far as even to say, if you struggle with faith or you struggle with wisdom, if you will ask for it, He will give it to you. Which... Points us repeatedly to the fact that you are going to grow into things, not just appear. We read in Hebrews, uh, it's really an admonition, but it does point to this growing part of our lives. It says in chapter 5, verse 11 about this we have much to say. It's hard to explain since you've become dull of hearing. Verse 12 says, for though this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child, but solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained, my constant practice to distinguish good from evil. What he's saying is, as you begin needing milk, you begin needing just the basic understanding of who Jesus is and how to follow him. But as you grow and mature and learn, then it develops and eventually you'll come to the place where you're actually teaching others. But this group of people have gotten stuck. They've stopped. They're not progressing. For some of us, we need to look at our own lives and ask ourselves, am I growing or am I stuck? When's the last time I saw God do something different? When's the last time I knew He was speaking to me? When's the last time I saw Him at work? When's the last time I opened His Word and felt like He's speaking to me? It's amazing, this journey of growth that we are being called to. You don't have to understand all the things that God is doing in your life Especially when things seem to be going wrong. You don't have to understand all those to trust the one who is still at work. So whatever is happening in yours, you are on a journey of growth to Jesus. This is one of the things, one of our phrases we started with, and we don't say it very often because it just ended up being misconstrued, was to you could come as you are to journey. Many of you really grabbed onto that. You could really come as you are, no matter how you dress, no matter what you look like, no matter... If you had tattoos all over you or if you came in t-shirts and cut off shorts or if you came in what, a suit or whatever, it didn't matter. Just come as you are. And the reason we don't say that much anymore is because there's a sense in many people today that they want you to accept them as they are, but they have no intention of becoming anything else. So That's why we don't say it anymore. But the truth is, come as you are, but don't stay that way. Jesus accepts you as you are. He doesn't look at you and say, you know what? You screwed up way too many times. Remember that time back in in November of, you know, 02? (laughs) Yeah, I remember that. That's not how Jesus works with us. He accepts us as we are, but he expects us to grow. Don't stay where we're at. If you're stuck, literally your life is exactly the same today as it has been for the last five years, I would ask you to look deep inside and say, do I have a relationship with Jesus that is alive and real? Or am I just doing my own thing? Because I find when you do your own thing, that's when you get stuck. Fourth thing, I'm about done here. Fourth thing. Your growth is leading toward an incredible future. See, at the end of all this growth, one of the things that, that we can look forward to and that. What Jesus is saying in this parable is, is whenever you have grown, whenever you have matured and whenever, you know, we have reached the time, there is going to be a harvest. He's going to pull us all together, all of his children, all who know him, and we're going to be with him forever in heaven. The kingdom of God will be experienced on a level which we can't even comprehend at that point. That point's coming. We're not there yet. We're still growing. We're we're not sure exactly what God's doing or maybe even where he's taking us, but he's still at work and he's still taking us somewhere. So we continue to trust him and we continue to follow him. Your growth is leading toward an incredible future. I don't know where it is. I want you to imagine that what's going on in your life right now, whether it be stuff going on at work, stuff happening in your family, stuff happening in your body, whatever's happening, God is at work to bring you somewhere somewhere even when it's painful and it doesn't make sense god is at work and you can trust that he is faithful to you a fifth thing i want to share with you that as we see through both of these parables don't underestimate the power of a well planted seed even a mustard seed the smallest of all seeds grows to tower over the other garden plants so that even birds can nest on their branches what seeds have been planted in you have seeds been planted by your parents have seeds been planted by your youth leaders have seeds been planted by by staff or our children's ministry have seeds been planted by a friend who's a t- devoted follower have seeds been planted by a small group member or leader what seeds have been planted in you as we read through scripture we find that the gospel is like a seed that is implanted in us in fact one of the parables uh talking about the sower, literally the seed is the word of God. It is the gospel that is planted within us. And sometimes it's going to grow and sprout and become something beautiful. Other times it's just going to wither because the world just chokes it out. Other times it's just not even going to take root because there's there's no fertile soil for that seed to take root. What seed has been planted in you? Maybe you grew up in a, home where you were constantly, it was constantly communicated to you, you are not enough. You're not good enough. And so you as an adult believe you're not good enough. What seed is implanted in you that is sprouting and growing in ways you can't even comprehend right now as you faithfully follow Christ? Never underestimate that seed. If There's someone you care about, you love, and you know they're just living a life that is utter destruction. (laughs) Never underestimate the seed you're planting in them. Never underestimate that neighbor you're talking to, the people you work with, the friend you went to school with and you keep up with even today. Never underestimate that seed and never stop sowing those seeds. God is at work. We don't always know how God's going to make things happen, but God makes things come together and grow. And do some incredible things. If you're someone who thinks, oh, you know, I'm just, I know people that are really good at planting seeds. They're just really good at talking, really good at explaining things, really good at just sharing their faith. I, they're just really good at planting seeds. I'm just not. I, there's a reason Jesus chose the smallest of all seeds for this parable. Your seed that you can help plant will be enough given the right care. Don't underestimate the power of a well-planted seed. The sixth thing that we see is actually, if you follow in the context of the parables, Jesus will demonstrate His faithfulness to you if you trust Him. Now, if you follow right immediately after these two parables, we have this, well, it could be a coincidence. I don't believe it is. We have Jesus and the disciples in a storm. He has just said I am at work in you. I am developing you, taking you on a journey that you can't even comprehend and yet things are happening within you and around you and I, I, you are with me and we are going to this place. It's going to require the disciples to trust him and to have faith and to follow him even when they just want to stop and say you know what I'm tired of living in the kingdom of God it's too hard. I can see what's out right in front of me in this world I'm just going to live in the world and I'm going to ignore the kingdom of God. It's just easy not to trust. So, just right after Jesus teaches these two parables, it immediately follows in Mark four thirty five. Says, "On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side.' And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion." I wonder, was he really asleep? Or was he just like, you know, opening, peeking out of that eye? That, how are they doing? How are they doing? Are they getting it? Are they getting this lesson I'm teaching them now? <laughs> I don't know. It says he was asleep. Maybe he was asleep. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Because he's just been talking to them about trusting him in the journey. Do you still have no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This was just a path of their journey that they would not choose. If the storm was raging, not a one of those disciples would have said, yeah, let's get in and go on to the other side. They wouldn't have gone. But he told them to go and they went and along the way it happened. And he wanted them to get the point. If you're going to let me develop something in you, you're going to have to trust me. So I want to encourage you today. As we go through these two parables, God is doing something in you and around you. He has a purpose for what's going on in your life right now. You can't comprehend where he's taking you because you would never believe you could possibly get there. And yet if you follow him, he is going to take you to some incredible places that you would never have gone on your own. Will you trust him? Will you follow him? Will you be faithful to him? Will you trust in his faithfulness to you? There are moments in the storm where we lose faith. It happens. In those moments, our ability to view Jesus as faithful is what will get us through. How are you seeing Jesus as faithful to you every day right now? This is, I think, where contentment comes in. When we begin to be content, we begin to trust in his faithfulness because we don't feel anxious that we need stuff. In what ways are you seeing God at work in your life that you can hang your hat on and when you're in the storm, you can say, Yes, but I have seen God work? Understand you are that plant growing. You're not where you're going to end up. You're where you are now. You're not where you were. Come as you are. But don't stay that way. Let God do something amazing within you. You know, as you, as a church, as, as our, our ability to grow as a church is dependent upon your ability to grow as a believer. And I don't mean our ability to grow in the number of people that show up on Sundays. I mean our ability to represent the church as Jesus intended us to be. Caring for one another, ministering to one another, serving one another, loving one another, holding one another accountable, lifting one another up when times are difficult, celebrating with one another when things are great. If we're going to embody the body of Christ, then this is what it looks like. Letting him work within us, who we are as a church right now is the, is made up of who we are right now, but as God works and builds in us and grows us he 's going to develop all of us together because that 's the way the body works it doesn 't always make sense because everything else in your life is an individual event it 's about you or maybe just your family, but the church is not that way. The church is made up of the whole body building on each other, relying on each other, supporting each other, growing together so that we become something more. In other words, your growth affects everyone else's growth. Your lack of growth affects everyone else's growth. And what tends to happen in the church is we have a few people at really just, I mean, you look at them and they're like, they're saints. They're just such great Christians. And we tend to rely on them to carry the rest of us. But what Jesus says is, you need to be that. So you come along and don't look at others and go, oh, they're just so wonderful. You look in your own life and you recognize God's doing something in you and that's going to benefit others. As we grow as a church, our growth cannot be focused on how many people walk in the door because we can have a lot of people walk in the door and not be growing in Christ. That does, just because we are a smaller church, that doesn't mean we're all growing in Christ. <laughs> but as we grow, the rest of the church will grow as well. So my encouragement to you is come as you are, be loved. Recognize that just how you are right now is enough. But don't stay that way. Let God bring you into something more. Pray with me, Father. God, I thank you for the ways that you have helped us to grow and to develop, to see the world differently, and to experience you in better, more healthy ways. And Father, I pray that you would be with us as a church and help us to not just see our growth as helping our kids or helping our youth or helping somebody that's dependent on us, but our ability to see you and to live in this kingdom is going to affect other people's lives too. I thank you that you are so magnificent that you work in ways I can't even comprehend. Help me to trust in the ways that you are working right now, even when I can't see it or understand it. Father, help us to plant seeds in this community. Even if they feel like they're the smallest seed out there, you can make it grow exponentially. I thank you for your love and your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.